Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I just want to greet those of you online that are joining us. I always think it's weird when people say it's good to see you, but I'm sure it is good to see you. Please uh, write in the chat where you're joining us today. Could be in your car, could be at your house, wherever it is. We're just so thankful that you joined us this morning. Um, And then for those of you that are visitors this morning, we just want to give you a warm Res Life Holland welcome. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. We welcome you into our family this morning. Um, For those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Adrian Dykstra. I'm the youth pastor here at Res Life Holland, and uh, Pastor Josh and Pastor uh, Emily are our senior pastors here, but Pastor Josh has graciously given me the lead this morning, so I'm excited to open the word up with you. It might be because I had a pot of coffee before coming here. I'm kidding. I had two pots. No, um, but I'm, I'm very, very excited for what the Lord wants to do this morning. Um, whenever we come here on a Sunday morning, it's always an invitation, Right? It's not meant to be the only place that we are drawn into his presence. It's meant to be a place in the week. And so we find ourselves here today as a church family coming into the Lord's presence. And I'm excited for what he wants to do in each of you. I know when listening to messages, you'll tend to take something, right? There tend to be a nugget that really jumps out to you. Could be two things. That'd be wild if it was three things. But I want you to hold yourself accountable to the thing that the Lord is exposing this morning to your heart, the thing that he's highlighting to you. I want to uh, draw our attention um, to these two verses. These will be our anchor points this morning, kind of where we're going to be sounding off from. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, every single one of them, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. What a promise. That's just something to think about for a second, because I want us this morning to trust in the Lord. Don't trust yourself. Let your guards down right now. Just be drawn into the Lord's presence. He says that he's trustworthy, and I know that he's shown to each of us his faithfulness and his goodness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. That means that in the blessings, acknowledge him. That means that in the, in the valleys, acknowledge him. When things are light on your spirit, acknowledge him. When things are heavy, acknowledge him there. Remember him. He's a God that loves to be included in every aspect of our life. We were bought with a high price, the son of God. And he wants relationship with us more than anything. And the power, the importance of remembering that truth, that you have a father in heaven, the author of life, that wants to experience life with you. He doesn't want you to go about it your own. He doesn't want you to go on a path that's a wandering aimlessly in the desert. He has a straight path for you, and he wants to direct you in that. So why remember the Lord apart from the obvious? Like, why, why um, recollect the things that he's done in, in our life? I feel like it's self-explanatory, right? But I believe because 
our maturity as sons and daughters of God and growing into the life that he has for us is, is key in remembering him. It's key in remembering the things that he's done. We're gonna be reading in his word the times that his people did not remember him. And what, what was brought of that? I think we can all um, attest to those times in our life where we took things into our own hands. How exhausting. Can we be real? That is, those are the worst times ever. You know, each of us was given natural uh, abilities and strengths from, from birth. The Lord put things in you. But he didn't put them in you for you to keep them to yourself and lean into them. He actually gave them to you to use for others, but through his service, right? So we might be able to last maybe longer than our neighbor. Our capacity might be greater to, to do life in our own strength, but we all reach an end to that point. That wick will always run short. So we need to make sure that we're remembering the Father whose well never runs dry because he's our source, amen? So let's remember, remember him today. Lean into him for our maturity, but also for direction. Let's lean into him this morning for those words that he spoke to us yesterday, but we've already forgotten. I just believe that we walked into a place of clarity, that the Lord's gonna highlight again. He's gonna bring to you the food he's already provided. You're hungry, and he's already put something in your hands. Amen? So, to go on this journey of remembering the Father, to go on this journey of, of remembering him in all things, acknowledging him, trusting in him, and not in yourself, that takes a training process. And it is a process. It takes an intentionality on our end to make every thought, take every thought captive and make it bow before our Savior, right? That's not an easy thing, but when done, continually, continually, you are gonna build that habit into your life and it will be the only thing that you know to do. Man, this is another situation, another relationship conflict, another temptation. I have no idea what is on the other side of this. Father, help me. I'm remembering you. I'm remembering the things that you've led me through. We need to be trained. We need to be taught. But we need to be teachable, right? In Proverbs 22.6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is very real for me with having two little boys. I take this so seriously. It's, it's a reverent fear, right? I'm like, Lord, I'm gonna teach them up in the way they need to go because I don't want them to depart from your truth. And the Lord takes that that so seriously in how he raises us up. The way he wants to train us in the way that we should go. But we need to be teachable, right? You guys know it's the Super Bowl today? I had to be reminded because I am, I'm not a football guy. If my brother's watching this, he's like, Adrian, come on, man. No, but um, those, those athletes needed to be trained to be doing the things that they were doing. See, if they weren't teachable, they wouldn't be on that field. You don't just wake up and have a friend who's a, a friend of a friend, and you're like, hey, man, I know you play for the Boston, Tennessee Spurs. I don't know. Uh, I've been feeling like playing for, the, for that bowling team. Would you like me to join? I don't know. No. No way, man. There's, there's a diligence. There's an intentionality. There's going to be evidence in that person's life for the preparation to meet that need the team has, right? They've been training, and they are ready. And we need to be trained. 
We need to be brought along on this journey with the Father of remembering and acknowledging him in all things. Because if we don't take that seriously, if we don't allow ourselves to be taught, that's just insanity, right? That's why the Lord's given us his word. That's why we see the the testimonies and the, the stories of all of his people. He wants us to learn from their mistakes. And he wants us to learn from ours. You guys know that simple definition of insanity, which is repeating the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results, right? Well, um, I work part-time at a wood shop, and uh, last week, not this past, but the one before, um, I had to do a lot of work in the loft in our wood shop, which, excuse me, which is the space for us to just store things that we're not really using on a day-to-day basis. Um, It's a place to organize, like, oh, this is where those extra box of screws are and things like that. But the loft is notorious for something. There are two support beams that are holding up the ceiling to the shop, and you will hit your head at least once on those beams. Like, I have told myself so many times, like, not today, not today. Like, this is not going to happen. See, me being 5'10", I'm able to clear the ceiling, but you'd need to be like 5'5", five, 5'4", five, five, to clear those beams. So when I'm facing them, I'm like right here. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter that there's neon tape on them. It wouldn't matter if there's a neon sign saying, don't hit, don't hit. You just get in the zone. You're just walking around. You're doing your thing. You're putting things away. And then, boom, like you just, you hit it. And you get upset every time. So last week, I had a couple embarrassing moments with this. I was sweeping up in the loft. And I was in the zone, man. I was making my dirt piles along here, about to clean them up. Everything's looking pristine clean, and I'm running that broom. And then all of a sudden, I just hit that beam, boosh, just head on. I know, I felt that ah in the room, right? Yeah. I woke up an hour later and (laughs) realized that my shift was done so I could go home. No, I'm kidding. But I did. I needed to take a breather. I needed to take 30 seconds and just like, what just happened? I forgot again about this blasted beam. And so I get back up on my feet, I'm looking at these beams, and I'm like, whoa, okay, like, do they really serve a purpose? So now I'm, I'm sweeping, I'm sweeping, and I get back in the zone, and I'm like, okay, I got a couple piles over here, I'm going to make a pile over here, so now I'm going to drag the, the dirt that way. So I put my broom on the ground, and I'm walking backwards, and I go, Poosh, and I hit my head on the other beam on the back of my head. I'm telling you, if you were up there, you would be like, this guy just has to quit. Like, this is not working out for this guy. This is not his thing. So thankfully, the rest of the day went well. I only hit my head a couple other times. Not as bad. But on my next shift, um, I had to be in the loft again. And I knew. I knew, man. Oh, I'm going in the loft. I'm going to hit my head on this thing. But no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. By sheer will, I was just willing myself not to hit these beams. And sure enough, it happened a couple times. Again, very minor, like, like those little love taps. But uh, I come back after lunch to finish out my shift, and my buddy who was helping me in the loft was in the office. And he's, he's sitting in his chair. He looks like he got beat up. His face is just like, oh, dude. I'm like, what's up, man? He was like, I just, I crunched my head on that beam earlier. And I was like, oh, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I just took some ibuprofen. I just need a minute you know, before I go up there. And I'm like, dude, take your time. Like, I'm going to go have a word with those beams because this is ridiculous. This is getting out of hand. We're losing people from this. So I go back into the loft, and again, I'm telling myself I'm not going to hit my head on these things. Not today. I'm, I'm done. I'm over it, right? I don't have time for that. So, yeah, you know what's coming. 
I didn't. So I'm, I'm doing my work and I see, okay, there's some spilled screws over here, so I gotta go put them back in the box. And when I stood up, I forgot that the beam was right above my head. And I just go, crunch. Oh, but it was so hard, right? You're standing up full force, like you're just standing up. And I just captain crunched my head. Why, why do we do that? Why do we keep doing the same things over and over again? And we just will say, hey, this time this temptation is not going to get the better of me. This time I'm going to get along with this person. I'm not going to get offended. But we don't acknowledge the things that the Lord's trying to tell us. We don't remember from our mistakes. I got to go home that day from work and tell my wife about my day. And uh, she is so wise. She was like, Adrian, why don't you wear a helmet when you're up in the loft? And I was like, I'm like, I'm like, no, it's not that easy to just wear a helmet in the loft. That's crazy. And she goes, yeah, if you wear a hard hat, then it wouldn't hit, hurt your head if you got hit. And I'm like, thinking about it with my two brain cells I had left. And I was like, yeah, actually, I think that's a good idea. So I wore a helmet my next shift, and it didn't hurt when I got hit in the head. We need to be trained up in the way that we should go, but we need to be teachable. And it takes effort. It takes being humble to say, I don't have it all figured out. I need you, God. Don't we all? He has a helmet for you this morning. He has something so practical, way easier than you could imagine, that's as simple as asking him, Lord, what do you have for me today? Because we all have relationships in our life, and some of them need to be mended. And instead of that just being a constant place of frustration in your life, seek the Father for resolution, for healing. Don't just let it fester. Don't just let it be something in your life that you will visit, hit your head on, and be like, I hope you're not there tomorrow, right? The Lord wants us to chase after our enemies. I'm talking in the spiritual sense now, and behead them. He wants to conquer them through us, right? Because he already did that on the cross. He gave us that, that example. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. So this is an action on our end. We need to let God, right? We can be stubborn. We can keep doing it our own way. We can keep hitting our head on these beams as long as we want to. But he's saying, just let me transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you guys know that that's God's heart for you this morning? That it's not that you just go through life limping, but that you go through life knowing that your Father in heaven has a pleasing and good and perfect will for you to live into. We're gonna talk now about the Israelites because I think they give us a really good picture where we can see ourselves in the things that they experienced, the things that they did, but the Lord wants us to learn from their example. And again, the Lord can remind us of things that we've experienced in the past where we've been stubborn and he wants us to move on from that because we're a people that remembers the Lord, that trusts in him and acknowledges him in all things, amen? So in Exodus 12, it talks about the beginning where the Israelites were first released. So this is after the plagues that were sent on Pharaoh and the people. This is when Pharaoh finally released the Israelites. So it had marked 430 years that these people were slaves in Egypt. 
That's impossible, that's crazy, right? That's only an act of God that could have brought that kind of outcome. 430 years, they were slaves, they were beaten, they were treated as less than human beings, and the Lord set them free. And so the Lord's leading them out of Egypt, and he leads them in a, in a certain path that brings them by the Red Sea. So they're at the Red Sea, and then all of a sudden, chapter 14 in Exodus takes us to something that they see up over the hill. Exodus 14, verses 10 through 16. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen? While we were still in Egypt, we said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Their expectation was still that they were gonna die out in the wilderness. Their expectation was that Egypt was still a better place. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place that, oh, but what I'm doing has been working okay. When the Lord has something excellent for you, Sometimes we can be facing the same issues and we're not remembering what he had just done three days ago in the area of your finances, in the areas of healing in your life, in relationships. Sometimes, you know, I think specifically about relationship. You know, in marriage, in siblings, in friendship, you can have these moments where you are hopeless. You can have these moments where you're like, I don't know how we're gonna get around this your commitment could still be there, but your, your mind of like, I don't know how fast or how soon we can overcome these things. And I've had it before with me and my wife, you know, where we're, we're talking and we're having a disagreement about something. And I'm just like, Father, I just ask for your help to turn this around. I don't know where, where we're missing one another. And the Lord does it. He does it. He's so faithful. And then the next time when something happens with another friend, I can remember the time my Lord provided for me my answer. And I can rest. I don't have to panic like the, the Israelites did. I don't, see, now we're in a new covenant, right? So we've been set free on the cross. And so now the memory, maybe, of, of our old man can still rise up. He can still push us around and be like, no, you gotta live in shame, brother. You gotta be condemned all the days of your life. And the father's like, who is this guy? Like, he doesn't know anything, you know? It's like when God came to Adam and Eve in the garden and they, they were ashamed, they, were, they, they hid because they were naked and God's like, who told you that? Like, that just breaks my heart. I can't imagine if my son came up to me and he was like, Dad, I'm just not good enough. I'm a failure. I'm like, whoa, ho, ho, who told you that nonsense? Because that is not what God has said about you. And that's surely what, and I'm, I'm not gonna partner with that word. Guys, what is it that the Lord needs to share with your heart today? What do you need to remember? What's that word he spoke to your heart that was so earth-breaking, uh, life-changing in your life that it's just, it transformed you? And now you might be at a similar crossroads and the Father's like, remember what I've said. I think of the movie The Lion King, come on where Simba is just like, he has no idea who he is. And Rafiki is like, come on, we got to go see our father. Let's go. 
And he's just like, my father's dead. And he's like, no, I know your father. Let's go. And he's going. He's leading him to a place he can see his father. And he's like, I don't see him. And Rafiki's like, look hard. And he's like stirring the water, right? He's stirring the water. And then Mufasa's, I could cry, yo. Like Mufasa's face shows up. It's his father to remind him who he is. How quickly was Simba out in the wilderness because he was believing a lie? And it was in that moment that Simba, I'm crying about Lion King. It was in that moment (laughs) that Simba was reminded of who he was. And you know what he did? Rafiki sees him running. He's like, where are you going? And Simba's like, I'm going back home. And you're just like, yes. This, this rises up in my heart so often for people when I just see them getting beaten up by the devil for no good reason. The devil's a liar. Why we give him the time of day is, is nuts. But that's why we need to be in community. That's why we need a family of believers that can hold us accountable, that we can share the word we got from God, and they can hold us accountable to that word. They can be like, hey, brother, I see that you're doing these things that was taking life from you, but you just got victory over these things like a month ago. What's up with that? And you're like, man, I forgot. I'm going to stand back up, and I'm going to head home. So we see the Israelites. They panicked, and they're, they're saying all of these things. They're complaining to Moses, complaining to God. And then it says right here, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Come on. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. You guys know those shirts, just stay calm, and the Egyptians will be destroyed, never to be seen again. You ever seen those shirts? That's what Moses was wearing that day. And he's just like, stay calm, guys. Don't be afraid because you know what? Those people, that threat that you see, your enemies, they're never going to be seen again. You came to the right place, even though you're complaining. You came to the right place. And the Lord wants to do that in you guys today. I felt that strong when I was uh, preparing the message that there's enemies that you guys have that you see the threat. And you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, two impossibilities. And you're like, I don't see the way. But the Lord has the way. And that's why he gives us eyes to see through his spirit living inside of us. He gives us the vantage we need to have. Amen? Amen. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. That's awesome. Thank you, God. Three days after this experience... Three days, 24 times three, 72? What's 24 times three? 72, thank you. I'm not great with math. I hit my head on these beams. It's a long story. So 72 hours had passed between them seeing a Red Sea parted along dry ground. And this is where we find the Israelites. They're one, they are in the wilderness, and they've come up on a body of water. They're thirsty, but they can't drink this water. It's bitter. That's where we find ourselves. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. They forgot that fast. 
the plagues that were sent weren't sent for them to die in the wilderness. Them being released after 430 years of slavery wasn't so they would die in the wilderness. Them seeing a Red Sea parted in front of them and their enemies swallowed up was not so that they would be dying in the wilderness. The Lord has brought you this far not for you to die in the wilderness. We need to remember him this morning. We need to acknowledge him in all things. We need to allow him to breathe fresh perspective and hope in those areas that we feel hopeless. We need to remember God. And we need to learn from our mistakes. So because they said that, um, God sent quail and manna from heaven down to them. He's so gracious. He's so good. He continues to show up as our provider and our good, good father. He gave them exactly what their hearts desired. And it says he did it because he heard their complaints. Exodus 16, verses 28 through 29, says the Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? This was another, another instance, not too long after this point, where the Lord was giving them direction that they just were not listening to. They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. They must realize, well, how long do these people, how long are they not gonna get it that my words is enough for them to stand on? That my word is the straight path that their feet need to be on? That they need to not lean in their own understanding, but in all their ways acknowledge me, and I will make my path straight. How long will it take them? Exodus 16, 32, just a couple verses after, it says, then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. So he's saying to them, we need a reminder. And you need to fill a two-quart jar full of manna so that generations to come will see how I've provided for you. They will witness my goodness from generations past. You'll be able to pull that jar off the shelf. Later it was kept in the Ark of a Covenant, so it wasn't on a shelf. But you'll be able to look at that jar and see the Lord's goodness. There are, there are jars of manna on the shelves of your heart. There are multiple times in your life that the Lord has led you through the Red Sea. Some of those might be dusty. Some of those you might have to take off and might have to see again what the Lord had done in you. One might be from yesterday, and you're just like, oh, Lord, I remember this word. Today, I am not feeling like you're proud of me, but yesterday, you told me you were. I'm gonna take the lid off of this jar. I'm gonna eat it. I'm gonna partake of my daily bread. The Lord wants us to be a people that's reminded of the things that he's done, not for just the sake of being reminded of it, he wants us to do something with it. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. And he wants to fill you with confidence for the things he has for your tomorrow. Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 23 says, My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instruction. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. They will, um, when you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline 
is the way to life. We need to keep the Lord's word constantly in our flow of life. Whether it's in post-it notes that you just put up Bible verses everywhere in your house, whether it's reminders you set in your phone to acknowledge God, to interrupt your day and have that practical reminder, okay, am I leaning in my own understanding anywhere? No, I've actually, I've submitted so much to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me on track because he has straight paths for you. And you might not be able to see it when you're standing in front of it. His word says that his, his word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. They didn't have those big old torch lights back then where you could see like a mile away, like a lighthouse or something. But they, they have a lamp for their feet. There's a trust, there's an amount of faith we need to have to walk in the promises of God. But when we look back, we can see the seas that were parted. We can see the mountains that were leveled. Paul says in, 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 his, in the Bible to forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead, that that's something that he focuses on. And I want to argue that what he's talking about there is the former way of life, right? Those things that the enemy will try to throw your way that's like, hey, here's a shame nugget, eat up. And you're like, not a chance, dude. Even if I had ketchup, I wouldn't eat that shame nugget, right? It could be guilt. It could be condemnation. And what Paul's saying is, forget the past. Look forward to what lies ahead. But the things we are meant to remember is what the Lord's done in our lives. We are meant to remember the mountains that he's leveled for us. There's uh, something that I, I often revisit in my life, maybe when I'm struggling with knowing how I'm gonna get on the other side of this. Um, I know I've shared it briefly when I've uh, done offering a few times, but I wanna get into some of the nitty gritties of that experience. My 2017, November, um, I was in my last year at Bible school. And I didn't have a car because my car broke down the year before, but um, I could borrow my, my roommate's car when I had to like go get groceries or go have an errand I needed to run. So I, I didn't really feel that pressure, right? Um, on this particular morning, I was house-sitting for a family. I was watching their rabbits. And um, it was like before class, and I was like, hey, man, it will literally be like 10 minutes. I'll quick pop over there, pop back, we'll go to school. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So I get in the car. I'm going. I'm driving down towards their house. I'm at a four-way intersection where there is a blinking yellow light. Blinking yellow lights just mean yield, uh, go when you see fit, but you need to slow down, right? So I slowed to a stop because I couldn't go. There's too much traffic coming on. And there was actually an adjacent turn lane across from me that was a blind spot for me. So I could see cars pass behind it and I could see them go through, but I couldn't see the cars that were right in the middle. And I just, I thought again that I could count well. And in this case, again, I, I didn't. I counted two cars pass behind and two cars come through and I went and faster than lightning, I'm getting fishtailed by another car. And the car is spinning out. And for those of you that unfortunately have been in a car accident, it's a slow motion experience. It's like every second, you're just able to like capture so much more. I don't understand that. But the car's spinning out and I'm like, gosh, I need to call my roommate and tell him that I got in a car accident in his car. I can't believe this happened to me. I literally just wrecked my roommate's car. And by the time that the car stopped, I don't know if it was on that exact moment, but I heard the Lord say, I've got this. 
all he said. But faster than lightning, life gets back in the flow of things and I need to call my roommate. I call him, hey man, I was in an accident in your car. Are you okay? I'm okay. And uh, all right, me and Shaul, my other roommate, we're gonna come and get you. So they come and get me. We're able to drive the car back to our house and then go to school. And I just remember just, I'm, I'm leaning in my own understanding. I'm thinking about this whole thing. I'm like, how am I gonna pay for a car? Like, I have enough money for tuition and rent and food. I don't have the money to just, whoosh, here's a car, man. But it's my responsibility. It was my fault. And so I'm going through all of this in my head, and I just am reminded of the word the Lord spoke to me. I've got this. I've got this. The Lord will give us words that we need to mine. We need to go deeper. The Lord might say he loves you, but his love is infinite, and he wants you to go even more intimate. He wants you to go even more, and once you reach that level, he wants you to go even deeper. And this was a word I needed to mine. I needed to dig into. I needed to see what it all meant, because all too fast, these facts are coming to me that I need to pay for this car as soon as possible. I thought maybe I could wait till the following summer, work my butt off, and then pay for it, but that just wasn't the case. He wasn't able to get to his work, He wasn't able to do his errands now because he didn't have a car. A week and a half after this accident happened, one of my friends came up to me and he gave me an envelope and it said, just a small gift. And he was like, hey man, I know what you're going through. The Lord just laid this on my heart for you. And so he did. He gave it to me and I, after class, went and I opened up the envelope and it was a check for $1,000. And I had never seen that amount of money in my life just given to me, right? And I was reminded of the word where the Lord said, I've got this. Now I need a quick touch on something, but Pastor Josh last week talked about seed to the sower. He gives us seed and he gives us bread to eat. In this case, I knew that that had to be seed. I didn't know that off the bat, but the Lord showed me as the process kept going along that that was seed I needed to sow in his life. So I sowed it, And I just committed it to the Lord. Lord, you said that you've got this. Well, um, we figure out the car's worth $5,200. So that's the amount that's needed. Um, Three weeks after that that friend of mine gave me $1,000, I got another amount of money. This was a wad of cash. It was $945. That's someone who's like, hey, I've been dragging my feet on this, but I know that the Lord wanted me to give this to you. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, thank you so much. And I knew that that was bread. The Lord was showing me, Adrian, you're behind on a couple things. Let's get those things up to date and just continue to know, Adrian, I've got you. I've got this. I was standing on words, you know, in Corinthians, it talks about how he's given us uh, so much. He generously provides us all that we need and plenty left over to share with others. So I was standing on that. Lord, I'm your son. You've generously provided all that I need and plenty left over to share with others. He was reminding me of in the Lord's prayer how it says, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I was like, Lord, I have a debt right now. Please forgive me of of my debt, Lord, as I forgive my debtors. I was standing on these things. I was mining for the truth, mining for hope and encouragement in that word. Well, fast forward one more month. So this has been two months now since the accident. It's crunch time and we're needing to do something in the natural as we are expectant in the supernatural. So my buddy says, Adrian, I love you, man. What can we do in the natural, though, 
to expedite this while we're waiting on supernatural, a, a miracle. And I was like, well, I can go to the bank down in the springs. I can go get a loan out. Okay, man. So I did. I started going through this process with the bank. Um, I was figuring out how much it would cost me oh, you know, over a long length of time, interest, all that jazz. And I was two days out from signing on this loan. And another friend of my wife and I's from school um, says that she needs to talk to me. So I go and I talk with her and she's just like, Adrian, this is gonna keep you from the things that God has for you. I'm gonna cover this. I'm gonna cover this. And um, the Lord in that moment was just showing me like, I told you I've got this. And maybe it wasn't in the way you were anticipating. Maybe it wasn't in the time frame that you saw fit, but I had the ram on the way. I had the provision coming for you and you trusted in my word, buddy. And so I never got that loan. And when all said, was all said and done, the, the car, the, the total that I needed to have was 5,200 and this individual gave me 6,000. And I was like, oh, okay, that's 800 more than I need. What, what's going on? And they were like, this is the amount that the Lord told us to give you. But I, you need to receive this from the Father and not from me. And so they were directing my attention to who my provider was. They weren't wanting me to get it mixed up that they were my provider and they saved the day and they were my savior. They were directing my attention to the Father and saying, hey, he got you. He provided for you infinitely and abundantly more than you could ask or think. And the Lord spoke to me a word that I needed to remember. If I had forgotten that word, I don't know how different it would have looked. It would have looked different. That was the word that I stood on for two months. And the good times and the hard times and the times I had so much faith and the times I'm like, all I have is the word. That's it. You know, there, there are those of you in this room that have words like that. And again, I just wanna draw your attention to whatever it is that the Lord told you in making the steps of faith that you're in today. Some of you might have plateaued. Some of you might be doing great. You're not doing bad. And you're just like, I don't really know where to go from here. You need to stir yourself up. You need to get with the Father. You need to get into his presence, worship him, go on a walk with him, um, open your word. There's so many different ways he loves to connect with us. But you need to acknowledge him in all things. In Philippians 3, verses eight through nine, it says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. If we're not careful, we can see what, how the world operates, maybe how the spheres of influence that we walk in, how they operate, and their expectations, maybe for material wealth or maybe um, for physical health, again, great things, but if it takes the place of what the Lord's wanting to do, then those aren't the things you need to be focused on. The Lord brings us our provision, the Lord brings us our health, but he doesn't want the, the freedom and the expectation of those around us to be what limits that. And so again, be careful with who you spend your time with because they can limit the things that you're expecting in your own life. We're meant to stir one another up and to draw attention back to the Father. 
In Philippians 4, 8, it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Evict the thoughts that are renting space in your mind that the Lord doesn't have for you. They're just living there. They're just hanging out. There are those beams in your head that you keep hitting your head against. And the Lord's like, I have a way for you to get around this. I have a way to go through this. Trust in him. Evict those things. They don't belong there. The Lord wants us to have the tenacity of Moses when he raised his staff to the sea. He wants us to raise our staff to those things. And our staff might be made up of a word that says, I've got this. And that's all we have. But the Lord has a way for you where it seems like there is no way. And it's not by dwelling on things that are the unknown or pondering things that um, just cause frustration in you. It's thinking on things that are lovely and excellent and worthy of praise. The first time I ever received a prophetic word, it was introduced to me like this, that receiving a prophetic word, that God using someone, putting something on, on their heart for you, is like in Psalms where it says, as As there are grains of sand on the seashore, so are God's thoughts about you. And every single one of those thoughts that he has about you would line up with this verse. They are thoughts that are lovely, thoughts that are worthy of praise, things that are excellent in how he thinks about you. And he wants us to remember those things. And so what happened in this room, I went into this, this prophecy room at a conference I was at. This was the first time that I'd ever received a word. Um, in this way. And they were just trusting for the Lord to put something in their heart for you. And they said, don't just take what we say for granted and just run with it. Line it up to the word. Line it up to the things that he's spoken to you, the things that he's done in your life. Does it, does it ring with your spirit? And every single year that I went, I went for five years, the word that was given to me in that room built on the next word. It's impossible But what I was experiencing is that every year they would mention something about David. They were like, yeah, you're like David in the cave and you're just, you're worshiping God right now and you're just looking for hope. Or they're like, you're like David and you love to sing psalms. You're like David and your heart's like him where it's after the Lord every single year. It's impossible. But I need to express this. I need to share my testimony in that because God is the God of impossible. He can speak to you through someone else. And he loves doing that. Open your heart to him to use that avenue. Trust him with who you should trust. The Lord can speak to you in dreams. I remember one time, this was before my son was born, a year and a half before my wife and I were married. This was actually in a season that we were apart for a month. And I had this dream that I saw Danielle and I in a hospital room. And she was holding a little baby boy with slight red hair. And I remember me and her were talking one morning, three months away from our son being born. And we were thinking about the name and we were like, oh man. And she was talking to me about a dream that she had had. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of a dream that I had, that I'd forgotten. I forgot I even had it. But I tied his truth around my neck. I put it down on paper so I wouldn't forget. And when I opened up that note, I saw at the end of it, and his name was Abram. And three months later, we had a baby boy with slight red hair, and his name was Abram. The Lord wants you to 
to be thinking of him in all things. Don't underestimate the power of a dream. Don't underestimate that line in that worship song that just made you weep in the car. And you're like, what's going on with that? That was weird. The Lord's speaking to you. You're hitting your head against the, uh, uh, the truth. And he wants to get it into your heart. Take note of these things. Don't forget them. Remember the Lord. Remember the things he's done in your life. 1 Corinthians 2.2, just wrapping up these last two verses. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus, Christ, the one who was crucified. It was on that cross he gave us new life in him. The old is gone, behold, the new has come. Remember whose you are and the price it took to buy you back. Paul was saying, if I have anything to say, I'm certainly not gonna forget this, that Christ was the one who was crucified. I'm not gonna forget him and what he's done for you. And our last verse for the day is in 1 Corinthians 11:25. It says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. We serve a God who was, who is, and who is still to come. And what we see, what Paul is saying here is he's saying as often as you drink it. Drink that cup in remembrance of what Christ did for you. Don't forget. Don't just drink it. Don't just follow the motions. You need to, you need to follow the truth. You need to follow the leader. So, if you want to mature as a believer, if you want to continue to grow as a son or daughter of God, you need to remember him. And you need to include him, you need to keep him at the center of all things that you do. You need to remind yourself and stir yourself, stir yourself up with the things he's already said. Don't forget. Make a list of the jars of manna, the things that he's done in your life. Notice the things that have been sitting there for a while that you haven't shared with other people of the Lord's goodness, of his nearness, and his love for you. Let me quick pray for you guys. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for every heart in this room. I pray, Lord, that as we were opening up your word and seeing how your people have lived and helping us to learn from our mistakes, Lord, that we wouldn't repeat the same cycles and expect different results, that we would take every thought captive, that we would trust you first and acknowledge you in all things, trusting that you will make our path straight. We love you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the marriages in this room, Lord. May we not forget our vows to our spouse. I thank you, Lord, for um, the employees in this room. May we not forget whose master we actually serve. It's you, Father. I pray for the friends in this room, Lord, who have maybe relational conflict going on, Lord. May we remember the reason why we were friends with them in the first place. May we remember the things, Lord, that you've spoken to us about the people in our life that we need to remind them of who they are. We love you, God. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to quick say that for those of you that have not given your life to Jesus, maybe you heard these things and you're like, remember the Lord. I haven't had a history with him yet. Um, with all eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want to acknowledge those of you in the room that have not made that commitment yet. You have not said Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. 
If you would raise your hand because you want to make that decision today, I would love to walk you through that. Anyone in this room? Okay. Well, again, Lord, I just thank you for your sons and daughters that are here. I thank you for your sons and daughters online too, Lord, that we walk with you, Lord, looking to you first in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.